This is Emmanuel Today, taking steps toward God's possible in your life. It's now time for you to sit back and prepare for insights on your walk with Christ. Let's join today's message right now. My title of my message is, Into Me. Everybody said, Into Me. And you'll understand that in just a few minutes. But uh, as we evaluate people, often we'll look at people based on their attributes. We'll look at uh, their physical attributes, their hair color, their eye color, their height, their weight. We may look at them based on uh, uh, their stature and uh, whether or not they're physically fit and whether or not they've uh, worked out or not. And we tend to evaluate people based on how they take care of their body. Now, uh, some of us have taken better care of our bodies than other people, and we've had different seasons of our life that we've been good at it, and times that we maybe haven't been as good at it. Um, but I, I'll tell you this, we look at the outward, and, uh, and the outward has an impact on our lives, including not just uh, the outward for us and what we see in people, but we're impacted by other people and how they treat us. And so when we're raised, if we're given a lot of attention and, and uh, we're nurtured, and that impacts our physical body and how we appear to other people. So to sleep, uh, when you haven't slept enough, how many know that affects what you look like and uh, what's around your eyes and, and maybe the, the smile on your face isn't as natural. Maybe it takes a little bit more work, but how many know when you've had a good eight hours of sleep, come on somebody. When you look at somebody like that, it's like, all right, they're, they're at peace. It's, uh, I think there's companies that make commercials off of that. Um, slept at a Holiday Inn or whatever it was last night, and, and then I'm, I'm okay. But also, we don't just look at outward expressions. We also look at personality attributes. We look at people's personality. Some people are introverts, and other people are extroverts, and we kind of know what they're like and, and uh, what, if they're loud or they're quiet, uh, are they fun, are they more intellectual? Um, and the personality can come out as we evaluate people and we look at the outward as aspects of the personality. Are they nature versus nurture in this kind of thing? Uh, sometimes they're more like their family and sometimes they're not anything like their family. Some people are fight people and some people are flight people. How many of you are a flight person? You run when there's trouble or you're frustrated. How many are of a fighter? Come on. Yeah, and so the people in the next to you know they got the bruises from that, I guess. Uh, when you get into a story, you start to fight with The personality has an impact on it. But the family of origin that we come out of has the greatest measure of impact on, on who we are in the physical as well as in the emotional um, personality side of things. And uh, when it comes to uh, people that you want to be around, do you want to be around someone who is uh, a porcupine, if you will, uh, where everything that you do bothers them and everything that you do is unsafe around them? On Friday, uh, we had our Emmanuel Sisterhood event and all the ladies in the church gathered together. We had hundreds of women. How many of you went? That was pretty exciting. It was uh, a, lot of, a lot of fun that night and uh, there was... Uh, music, food trucks, and, uh, and I heard even some of the people were dancing at the end of the, of the time there, so it was a lot of fun. And one of the things my wife, Jody, she spoke on Friday, and she talked about the safest places to be around and people to be around, and uh, she talked about needing safety, and it was a great desire of her heart to have safety. And uh, I just think in this day and age, in 2020, there are people that are safe and there are people that aren't safe to be around. 
In an age of polarization where people are angry at each other and shouting each other out and you know you can only talk about some things you're careful about what your beliefs are even when you're with a, a person that you don't know all of a sudden you don't know if they're what what party they're from you don't know what uh their belief is about masks or no masks you don't i mean it's like what's safe what's not and we're trying to look and observe and when you're not in a safe place you can kind of pull back into yourself and and not be as free as you want to be but i want you to know as we follow the spirit there's power and uh, in fact first john 4 17 says this and as we live in god our love grows more perfect so we will not be afraid on the day of judgment but we can face him with confidence because we live like jesus here in this world such love has no fear come on somebody because perfect love expels all fear and so the kind of love that we want in our life is God's love, of course, and the Spirit of God knows how to work inside of us and with every person on the planet, regardless of whatever your backstory is. The Holy Spirit walks with us, transforming our life so we can know that kind of love that expels all fear. So even though you see things on the outside and others see things on the outside of you, there is promise as we walk with the Spirit that he'll change what's on the inside of you and what's on the inside of someone else. And he leads us into our purpose, our destiny. And the Holy Spirit shapes us into the best version of ourselves, the one we're created for. He develops that. That's why when you come to church today, you came to a place of hope. Even if you're down on yourself or you feel discouraged, you came to a place where the Holy Spirit can shape you into what you were destined to be. And this is how the Spirit begins to work on us. It begins when we get saved. In fact, it starts with when we're born again. In John chapter 3, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. And, uh, and it says this in verse 3, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? He's like, this is impossible. And Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, and just as you hear the wind, but can't tell where it comes from or where it's going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. Jesus is addressing a human need, and Nicodemus is wanting to change. And Jesus says, it's possible to change. You have to be born again. Nicodemus says, that's impossible. People can't be born twice. And Jesus says, you're right, humans can't do that, but only the Spirit of God can do that. And only the Spirit of God can write a new story on anybody's life. The Spirit of God can transform you. It is impossible to, to do it yourself. It's impossible to do it for someone else, but only the Spirit of God can do that. And this is what God is doing, and it's 100% grace, and we can't earn it, the Spirit does the work. He pulls us into the family of God. Ephesians 2.18 says, Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. It's the best news ever. 
Because no matter what family I was raised in, what kind of DNA I have, even the mistakes I've made. How many of you have made mistakes in your life? Let's be truthful, right? No one's not putting their hand up. You're just lying. That's your first mistake, all right? So here's the deal. We have backgrounds, but we have hope because the Spirit of God alone can rebirth our future into something different. And I believe that as we follow the Spirit, there's an impact. He pulls us into the family. I want you to consider this. When my kids were born into our family, we have four sons, and now a grandson, come on, somebody. And I'm thankful for our daughter-in-law, Camry. She's an amazing mom, so she was the first girl that came into our family. So it's it's growing. Yesterday, Timmy got engaged, and so it continues to grow, right? Um, But here's the deal. Each of my kids, when they were born in my family, they did nothing to be called a ruse. They didn't earn it. They didn't do anything else. All they did was get born, right? And they're in the family. I want you to consider that. You didn't do anything to get saved. You didn't do anything to earn God's favor. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And he birthed you into the family, and you're a child of God. Come on, somebody, that's good news. And then, and then the Spirit goes to work in us, not just for birth, but beyond birth. The Spirit um, goes to work in us so that we look like, sound like, and live like our Father in heaven. We're to grow up into Him. And as Philippians chapter 1, verse 6 says, And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. That means that the Holy Spirit will set up his construction sign on our life and go to work. And sometimes he'll convict us, but that conviction isn't to harm us. It's to build a new road. Now, I don't know about you, but I hate road construction season in Minnesota. And we only have two seasons. We got winter and road construction, right? So, but I do love it when a construction is done and the road is clear and we're free and it's safe. I I, I was thankful a few years ago when when the bridge in Minneapolis collapsed. I used to cross that every day several times. And uh, it collapsed. I'm thankful that people that were rescued were rescued and I still... I was burdened by the families that experienced loss. But when that bridge was rebuilt, it was awesome because I drove across that thing and go, it's safe, right? Because the construction crew had worked on it. The engineers had worked on it. Did you know that the engineers of heaven are working on our life so that it's a better picture in the future than the one that is behind us? 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of God. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. See, the Spirit is at work to make us like our Father, to give us his attributes, to grow in that. And in a real sense, the Spirit is working to help us hear, she looks just like Jesus. He's just like God's characters all over him. The Spirit is at work to grow us in a real sense, helping us become more like our Father. And for those who are afraid that you've already blown it or that something is wrong with your physical DNA, you need to trust that the Holy Spirit and only the Holy Spirit can resurrect you and impart the Father's DNA to you. You 
can get the Father's DNA. You're not different. You're not outside God's promise. You can't experience his promise. I love the story of Moses. Moses is this little kid who's birthed in promise and rescued, and, and then he grows up in Pharaoh's household. Anybody see the Prince of Egypt ever? Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, and then he one day murders somebody. He becomes a murderer, okay? And then he's a fugitive, and he goes out and lives out in the desert. When he's 80 years old, God comes along and speaks to him. You know what I love about that story? Because now what we know of Moses, the biggest part of his story was after 80. It was what he did when he came out and he began to lead Israel out of Egypt to cross dry land of the Red Sea and into the wilderness and establishing God's law, meeting with the presence of God. All of those things were after he was 80 years old. It's never too late for you, baby. God can do a story through you. You have no idea what's in the future. It's never over. Turn to somebody next to you and say, it's not over. But when you open the door to the Spirit, watch out, those new things are coming. And the Spirit loves you too much to leave you where you are. There's development that God is bringing you through. I want you to take your Bibles and uh, hold them up. Let me just see where you're, if you got your Bible, let me see. Physical Bibles or electronic, no shame. Wherever you're at, okay, wave them in your air like you just don't care, okay. I, w- I want you to turn to Galatians. I'm going to talk about Galatians in just a second, but Galatians was a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to a group of Christians, okay? And, and in, in the, the culture of the day and the culture of the church, there were challenges taking place. You see, there were believers that were being caught up in debates about what a good person really was. They're caught up in these debates over... How do you know if somebody's good or not? And it was all based on external attributes. You're good if you go through these religious steps. You're good if you're circumcised. You're good if you, if you go to church regularly. You're good if you memorize the right scriptures. You're good. So they had all of these rules set up, and there was conflict in the church. People were actually fighting against each other. And the, the, the religious people were telling people to adhere to strict religious laws as, as a way to get grace from God. But how many know you don't get grace from God by earning it? And the new believers were pressured to act good on the outside as a way to feel good on the inside. And at the same time, these Christians wanted to please God. So it wasn't that they were bad people. They wanted to please God. And the list of do's and don'ts were only causing division and strife between each other. And there were others who received freedom to the extreme, so much they had no rules and they didn't care who they hurt. And there were racial fights between Jews and Gentiles, men and women. There was political tension. It sounded like 2020. I mean, I can't believe this year how many new rules have emerged for what it means to be a good person on social media. If you agree with me on these eight things, then you're on my side. And if you don't, you're absolutely evil. And we've polarized people into so many different groups, and there's antagonism and anger and fighting, and some of it's coming from people in my church. 
<laughs> I love the quietness. Woo! It just drops. But here in Galatians, the exhaustion of the people was wearing them out, this tension. It's just wearing them out. Anybody feel worn out right now? I feel like I've lived 10 years in the last eight months. And it wears people out. And Paul steps into the middle of this in Galatians chapter 5. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. And listen to what he says. He says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. This is our series, right? The witness. Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, Paul says. Then, everybody said then. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. And when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Paul is saying, if you follow your sinful nature, this is what it results. Now, growing up in the church world, I think there are a lot of us that look at that scripture and we, we see it as a, a kind of a, an evaluation of people who are not saved. Those are non-Christians. But I want you to know, Paul isn't speaking to people outside the church here. He's speaking to the church. And he's speaking, this is what happens, Christian, when you follow your sinful nature. These things happen. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, and envy. Listen, sinful nature, the sinful nature destroys your relationships and stops your divine purpose. All of those things hurt your marriage. Hurt your parenting, hurt your relationship with your neighbor, hurt your ability to be salt and light in this dark world. It hurts all of those things. And Paul is saying, if you follow it, this will destroy your life. It'll destroy you inside of you and it will destroy outside of you. And if we let our sinful nature go, our nature will feed self and destroy our ability to be salt and light. That's the default. Okay, but, everybody said but. but, verse 22, but, Paul says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. There is no law against these things. If we invite the Holy Spirit to guide us and lead us, then those things emerge outward. These are the things that enable us to be good spouses, to be good neighbors, to be good parents, to be good kids to our parents. Come on, somebody. 
All of that comes when we follow the leadership of the Spirit. And as a matter of fact, because we have both options in front of us, and many times our sinful nature leads us astray, the Holy Spirit fills the deficiencies of our spiritual biology. It fills what's missing. It fills the deficiencies. And I want to explain it this way. A few years ago, a couple years ago, I had reached a spot in the middle of the winter where I had... My get up and go got up and left. <laughs> yeah. I, I had no energy. I was blah. Anybody ever been there in the wintertime? And it was like, I just didn't have motivation. I didn't want to work out. I couldn't get up in the morning. I was just, eh. So I went to the doctor. And when I went to the doctor, my, my personal physician, I sat down with him and I explained what, what was going on, man, he gave me the normal, you know, check and listened to my heart and looked in my ears and looked in my eyes and made sure that all of my limbs were working and were coordinated. But then he said, well, everything else looks good, so I, why don't we just do a, a blood test? So they drew some blood, and then the test came back, and uh, the result was is that I was low in vitamin D. And... Uh, my, my lack of vitamin D in my system was producing all these external other things. So he prescribed vitamin D to me so that I could build that back up. And sure enough, I took that vitamin D and then later on, I started feeling a little bit better. I had a deficiency in me. Now I've got here on the platform, I've got a bunch of different types of vitamins, okay? And I've got both the pill form and the food form. And uh, here's what I know, that all of our bodies need certain nutrients to function correctly. We, we need certain things. We need vitamin C to fight against uh, and, and strengthen our immune system against all kinds of things. And so we need that vitamin C, but we need other minerals and vitamins in order to make it. You know, I've got everything up here from vitamin C to iron. If you're low in iron, you could get lightheaded and it could cause a whole lot of other things. Uh, uh, I've got D3, B12. I got magnesium. Come on, somebody. This is a good Sunday. I got I got multivitamins for her. I got multivitamins for him. I've got calcium. I got a whole bunch of things. I even got emergency. How many of you use this this year? Vitamin emergency. Yeah. You take that and just blow them away. Now you can take those vitamins because you need them in order for all of your various systems to work. You need your blood to work right. You need your respiration to work right. You need your digestive system to work right in order for your body to function. And uh, you can, if you find a point of deficiency, you can approach one of these kind of uh, supplements that will help you in your areas of deficiency. You can also go to natural things. And so I've got things up here. I've got lettuce up here, deep green leaves. I hated these growing up. I just hated these. And in recent years, I've discovered I can mix it in with other things in a juicer and make a smoothie. And I don't taste it anymore. Come on, somebody. But it's good for me. You know, I got bananas and avocados. How many of you know avocados are really good? Chipotle, let's go with some guac. Yes. All right. And uh, oranges. I got the biggest shout out. Cheer about that, about guac at Chipotle. Got oranges up here. I got carrots. You know, if your eyes have a deficiency, uh, you can eat carrots. 
and uh, vitamin A and other vitamins come in there and they, they help you see. Uh, we have somebody, Emmanuel, one of our teammates, that uh, was telling me a story this week about how he worked in a, in a grocery setting and he was around uh, the, the vegetable area and a lady stops him while he's working and she starts talking about the value and benefits of carrots. And she had just recently read up into it and she said, these are so amazing. I'm gonna dive in. And she loaded her whole grocery cart up with carrots. And he literally saw her a couple months later and she walked into the store and she was orange. She had eaten so many carrots that she was like just orange, right? You can overdo it sometimes with some things. Here's, here's what I want you to consider. Your spiritual inward world has systems that require nutrients to function the way God wants you to. And you can live life and have depleted parts of your system and the things that come out externally show you what's going on internally. So when you begin to see those lists of the sinful nature come out, and you might go, well, I'm not having wild parties, but are you jealous? Do you find yourself being jealous of some? Uh, you, might, you might look and go, well, I'm not into that thing, but are, there's enough items on there that all of us can battle that deficiency. And the solution, Paul says, instead of that, you need to lean into the spirit for the nutrients that only the spirit can give. And then the fruit of that spirit comes to the surface. And when you invite the Holy Spirit into your life, then that's when you begin to experience the love and the joy and the peace and the patience and the kindness and the goodness and the faithfulness and the gentleness and the self-control. Those things then come as a result of following the Spirit. And when you invite the Holy Spirit into your every day, the result is that you have the characteristics that help you with every internal area and with your relationships. In a sense, the Holy Spirit fills the deficiencies of our spiritual biology. He fills that up. And I think it's really important for us to recognize that the presence of the sinful nature does not equal you being bad. It doesn't mean there's something wrong with me. See, God's just calling a foul on me again. I'm disqualified. I'm not good enough. No, that's not what Paul is saying. He's saying, listen, if you're seeing these things, you need to lean into the Spirit because the Spirit is the one that can fill the deficiency. He gives you God's vitamins, the Spirit's vitamins and minerals, if you will. If you're losing your love for God or you're losing your love for people, what do you do? That's an opportunity for you to open up to the Spirit and begin eating right, to get intimate with the Spirit. Now, intimate is a weird word, but intimacy is seeing into me. <laughs> it's allowing the Spirit to go under the surface of what everybody else sees, the external attributes, and go deep inside and allowing the Spirit to move in. So then when you lose your joy and you're experiencing depression, then you say, see into me, Spirit. Come in and give me some spiritual vitamin D. I need to see the world differently, but you won't see the world differently until you let him see into you. Is peace eluding you? See into me, Lord. Are you impatient 
and it's killing your friendships or maybe your marriage? Is it making you a jerk to be around? See it to me, Lord. I don't like what's coming out. Goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control are possible when you let the Spirit see into you. The Spirit in us corrects the deficiencies that we experience. And so when you find yourself in an argument with the people you love most, and it feels crummy afterwards, what do you do at that moment? Instead of going, I'm a loser or she's a loser, and coming up with a downward spiral, what if you pause and went, oop, the sign of conflict in my life means that I have a deficiency in here. I need the Spirit to help me work through this. I need the Spirit to help me. When your kids are bothering you and you're busy and you're overwhelmed, And then you don't like how you treated your children. You were short with them. You ignored them. You overlooked them. Later on the day, it begins to come to your mind, oh, no, I was a bad dad. I was a bad mom. What if instead you said at the end of the day, ooh, I'm recognizing I need the Spirit's help. Holy Spirit, I admit I didn't like what happened today. That means there's things going on inside of my systems that I don't understand. But you do because you created me. Would you begin to replace what's wrong with what's right? Would you pour out your love and see if all the fruits of the Spirit don't come into your story? See, the Spirit in us corrects those deficiencies that we experience. And what if you approached worship both daily and in church What if you approach worship as an opportunity for the Spirit to see into me, to daily be transformed, to bring your balance to your system? If you came into worship and it wasn't just about what the words were on the screen or whether or not people are are sounding right on the platform or whether or not you like a particular song. What if when we worship together it was, Lord, I'm coming to you and I'm asking you to see into me and I trust you. You see all the ugly parts and you still chose me anyways. I am here by God's grace. Uh, You're not going to listen to me more because I'm a super Christian. You're not going to listen to me less because I screwed up last night. I'm coming to you and I'm opening up and I'm asking you to see into me. And when you let him see into you, oh, he takes the stuff out that you don't want and he replaces it with the truth of his word. And when you learn to do that, not only in church on Sundays, but you do it on Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays and Fridays and Saturdays, and you go through the ups and downs of work life and friendships and the world, and you see the news and you're scrolling through social media and you find anger coming up in you and you know that's the sinful nature coming up, that's an opportunity to do a praise break, if you will, to pause, to hit the pause button and say, Holy Spirit, I need you to see into me because I don't like what's coming out of me. Can you give me an amen for that? Come on, somebody. It's saying, see into me. Everybody said, see into me. Come on, say that. See into me. When you say, see into me, Lord, it creates an intimacy with you and God. Thank you for listening to Emmanuel Today. To learn more about the many ministry opportunities throughout the week, be sure to check out emmanuelcc.org.